time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep making animated Star Wars, Hope Molnax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Mandalorian. In this episode, The Mandalorian teams up with an ex-soldier to protect a village from raiders and maybe find some love in the process. There will be Tookie Cats, a walkers in the woods, and like I said, love, I'm gonna gush about my ship, guys, because that's my ship of Mando and I love this ship, oh my god, he's a little, I love them. We're talking about The Mandalorian, Chapter 4, Sanctuary. This, this wow, I just stopped knowing how to talk. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Hello. My words just, like, stopped. They were just like, we're done. We're th- we just need to lay down a second. <laughs> how you doing? Good. We just had a little snowstorm up here. Well, that's interesting, because I think last week I was saying cross fingers for snow. We got snow. We got snow. We yep. got snow. And it was so much. Zeb got to see snow for the first time. And it was so cute because he was just sitting in the window just like, what is happening, guys? <laughs> Meanwhile, the girls are just pissed off because they go outside for about 10 seconds and turn around and scream like, yep. what the fuck? But yep. Zeb was like, what's happening? And he was so cute because like, we did the whole, like, we picked him up and we took him outside and we put him in snow for the first time. And it, the first time he, like, freaked the fuck out. He ran back inside. And then, like, he kept coming over to the door, though, so I would just open it just a little bit and he would just stand on the door and, like, look at it like, what's happening? And he would, like, start creeping outside and then he would turn around like, no, no, I'm not gonna do it. And he would walk off and then he would come back about a minute later and be like, but maybe. <laughs> and he kind of just, like sat in the door and every time we opened it for him he just kind of like peeked his head out so he was interested in the snow but i don't think he fully understood what it was but he's a big hefty boy so he's kind of like a husky so he actually really likes when it's cold outside opposed to the girls who just bitch at his yeah. all day yeah yeah so he was it was very cute i i, uh, I just oh it was so cute he was just sitting there like watching the snow in the window like what's happening everybody is my boy we've been waiting we we haven't had snow in georgia in four years so and zeb is three so we haven't it hasn't snowed in his lifetime and i was just like my boy is seeing snow <laughs> it was so sweet <laughs> that was pretty much my week that was yours ah no it was pretty smooth Got to do a little shoveling, but there wasn't, I didn't have to do any like super emergency fast shoveling because nobody had to like leave the driveway and for the, for the next few days. So it was just for, for fun and exercise. Well, I mean, it is, it is, you know, you got to do it or else it's just going to keep piling up potentially. So, but it was more, I like shoveling snow anyway. And it was like, but my shoveling job was just enough to where it stayed fun the whole time. <laughs> it didn't get past the point of like this isn't fun anymore, but I gotta finish. So yeah, I'm I'm happy. If it's gonna be winter, I want like at least a foot like we got like fifteen inches of snow. That's that's good. Everything's nice Jeez. and you know nice and, and just snow covered and the snow isn't all like gross and like melty and slushy. It's just like a nice it looks like winter time, you know. 
we uh, had a nice Georgia snow. It snowed on Sunday. It was around for about most of Monday and the last of it melted today and everything's back to normal. A mm. nice Georgia snow. <laughs> I love it. Because like the one time I was ever around that, I, I think I said, I can't remember if I said this last week, but I was like in Buffalo and I was visiting some people and I was like, yay, snow. And then like a week later, it was still there. And I was like, what? Why is it still here? I don't understand. It just stays here. Why is it just staying here? <laughs> go away. <laughs> Back in the day, it used to start just in the winter and just go all the way through and just keep piling up. Sometimes you'd have like eight, nine foot snow banks on the side of your your driveway and stuff like that this is a good example of georgia it was snowing on sunday and today it was 55 degrees it was lovely i had my windows open <laughs> having, having a lot of snow having a lot of snow opens up there's a like what do you what do you do with the snow all this time but it opens up a lot of things like snowmobiles and skiing and snowshoeing and built you know snow forts and and you know all that stuff, ice skating on ponds, you know. I only, so, I've only ice skated a couple of times. I busted my ass every time. We but always, always we always uh, used to have beaver dams in the woods. So like where there were beaver dams, you could just go and skate on them. Oh, that makes sense. That's so cool. And then the beavers just watched. Like what's going on? You guys? would see. You, you could. You you couldn't go too close to the beaver dam. Because it was moving water around it, so the ice started getting thin around the. Oh, it's, yeah. It was like little ridges of thin ice, but you could see them moving around, and they would come out and look at you and stuff. But basically, what it would be is just behind the beaver dam would be a chunk of woods that had like probably like three or four feet of water in it, two two to two to four feet at maybe the very deepest, and uh, so it froze very solidly. But there would be trees, so you would be like basically like it would look like a forest, except with a nice smooth and you know, there were trees, so they kept the so there wasn't really snow piled up on it. And if there was, we would just shovel it off, you know, shovel it off, and you would have this like perfectly smooth ice because there's no waves or anything in a beaver dam, and uh, and trees. And it was very surreal looking, and you'd just be skating. You could slalom around trees and stuff. It was a lot of fun. Oh, cool. It kept us busy. You know, my parents loved that shit. It kept us busy for a whole day, you know, for all the time. They'd be like, yes, go play with beavers. Don't take that out of context. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you ready to get into this? I am. Well, two things, a little housekeeping at the top. Um, first of all, we have an announcement at the end of the episode, so stay tuned for the end of the episode because we have a guest next week, and I'm very, very, very excited about this guest. She's one of my favorite people in the entire world. Um, so stay tuned for the end of the episode of that. And I know we were just talking about, like, snow, fun, and beavers, but I do want to get serious for a moment and address something. Um, I And I want to be clear, I'm speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for Chris. I am speaking for myself. I was I'll, I'll throw in my two cents. <laughs> okay, yeah, but I, I don't want to speak for you because I know we have, you know, approaching this differently. Um, I do want to talk about Gina Carano for a second. Um, I talked a little bit about this last week about how I was anxious about seeing this episode. Um, this is one of my favorite episodes of Mandalorian, and 
what happened with Gina Carano and her behavior has tainted the show for me in a lot of ways. Um, and if you don't know, she's made a lot of horrible statements over the last few years, such as um, misinformation about voter fraud and um, more importantly to me, um, horribly transphobic um, words and anti-Semitic words. And none of it's okay. Uh, did, was she like reblogged like some anti-Semitic thing from some weird like neo-Nazi weird yeah. super right wing group or something like that? Like yeah. saying that being a conservative is the same as being a Jew in Nazi Germany. Which oh, is that's okay. right. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Now I remember. Yes. And as someone who is queer um, and I my stepmother is Jewish, um, I am not Jewish, but my stepmother is. So like uh, these things are not OK to me. And I very much support her being fired. I actually am very much in the camp that I think that she should be recast because I actually really do like Cara Dune as a character. Um, and I, I really like this character. So it is very difficult to see this because this is a character I do enjoy. I did enjoy her. and But I cannot support at all Gina Carano in any of her words. Um, but I just want to make it also clear that I am not speaking for all queer people. And I wanted to point you guys in some directions to hear other voices that are transgender um, to, that can talk more in depth about this. Um, I have pulled five shows. So, uh, some of them are friends of mine and some of these are suggestions by other people. Um, Sith, Sith Tea Minutes, The Katana Cast, Forced Friends Rewatch, and Rue Palp's Pod Race. And about Rue Palp's Pod Race, they also have a Jewish host on their, in, in their group as well. Um, those are four fantastic shows, and we actually talked really in depth about this when I was on the Pink Milk Roundtables the summer of 2020. And we had, at different points in those roundtables, we had three different transgender people as well as a Jewish uh, person on the on the cast. So we talked in depth about this. Um, so these are some voices that are transgender or Jewish that will actually can speak to much better about their experiences, how this made them feel, how it impacted them as fans, and how it affected their views of the show. Um, going forward, I just want to, I'm going to just be clear, I'm only going to be looking at Cardoon as a character. Um, I think that's about the only way I could do it, because when I actually start thinking about the actress behind the character, it's very painful. It has tainted the show for me. If, I if, Season if 2 you, was if very you do that. It, it it sets a precedent where like like you might not ever be able to watch a movie again. You know what I mean? Yeah, because this also still also applies to Bill Burr and Rosario Dawson, who all have also been very inflammatory in the trans in the transgender community as well. Um, and so I think this is how I am going to address it going forward. Um, same thing with uh, Rosario Dawson and Bill Burr. Those five shows have talked in depth about them. Again, all transgender hosts. Um, so I, I'm just going to repeat them again. Um, Sith Tea Minutes, The Katana Cast, Force Friend Rewatch, Rue Palps Pod Race, and then The Pink Milk Roundtable, the summer of 2020. Uh, and I would, you can, you know, I was on that show, but I, they, like I said, we had other people on the show too that were much more equipped to talk about that in depth. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about Cara Dune as a character, um, and same thing with everything else going forward. So, But I just wanted to address that at the top of the show, because I'm not okay with it. I'm happy she got fired. 
um, I am very much in the camp to recast her because Kara is a really good character. And that sucks watching this episode because I actually, this is one of my favorite episodes. I actually really like her character. But we, I, I just wanted to say that right I, here at the top. I'm going to kind of work backwards off, like, because yeah. I think Kara Dune's a pretty a decent character, but I think she's basically Gina Carraro, you know, basically sort of was like made for Gina Carraro and was made to sort of fit the parameter. Like, I, I think she was a good character, and I think Gina Carraro played her well. I don't think Gina Carraro is an especially good actress. She's not a bad actress. And I'm not even going to try and correct you that you're saying her name wrong, because that's how much I give a fuck. All right. Whatever. Carano. Carano. Anyway, I don't think she's a bad actress, but I don't think she's a particularly talented actress. I think... She's talented, you know, talented enough uh, and is a physical actress. You know, she's a, a, a she's a talented enough actress to to when you couple it with like her fight scenes, you know, she's she she can do fight. You, she can f- do the physical, you know, duke it out with the with the um, Mandalorian. And it's it looks and it's brutal, you know. And it and it looks good. So she so like within the scope of the show, it was good. But like, I mean, you could you could have another character similar to her in the show, and it wouldn't be that big a deal because there would be more than one you know tough cookie running around the the Star Wars universe. So I don't think she's I don't think she's a particularly like she's a good character. But like you could. You could bring back that element of her character, of like what her character provided as someone else and just keep, you know, not have to explain that we changed actresses or something. But like, yeah, but um, my thinking is, is they replaced the Hulk and War Machine. In the oh, MCU, sure. no one's going to give a fuck except for the dude bros who are oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. super Yeah, straight. I don't think like, anybody no would. Give- yeah, yeah. But I, I don't think it's I think it would be additional i think that you know because i think they were designing her to potentially go on and do a series and oh, she to was, tell you that the rangers of the new republic was her show and was going to be her show and yeah. to tell you the truth i don't think she had enough charisma really i don't think it like i don't know if that would have been the best idea like to have her carrying the weight for a sh- for a whole show so yeah and and as far as her getting fired, yeah, of course you get fired. She's working for Disney. That's the thing. That's the thing about it is if if you're gonna if you're gonna work for Disney, you 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 either have to you either have to have a squeaky clean history or you have to be able to um, make yourself squeaky clean. Or you know, I, I mean, that's just the way it is. It's Disney. You can't. You can't double. You can't like. Oh, we found somebody found this tweet from five years ago, and then you you know you can't double or triple down on it. You get and you know. I mean, people can people can be like, oh, you know, woke politically correct thinking, but that's kind of the way it's always been in show business because you're doing a and Disney's Disney. It's Disney. It's based on you know, children's and, cartoons, it's, is their basis. Yeah. So, so and her this, getting fired should not have been scandalous in the, in the very, very least. And, you know, I look at her, I don't look at her like, I obviously I don't agree with her politics and stuff, 
but I don't look at her as a mal- as a malignant intentioned character. I look at her as kind of like ignorant in a way a lot of people are ignorant, uh, you know, like um the Holocaust stuff, that's a lot of people say dumb stuff about the Holocaust because they just have no idea, you know. But if you if you ask them, you know, are the, are you do you, you know, are you sympathetic to the, the Jews in the Holocaust? They say, oh, yeah, I thought that was terrible. You know, I, they you know, she thought the Holocaust was terrible. The stupid thing is she doesn't know enough about it to know that it's terrible to compare it to your plight as a member of a political party that isn't getting you know, genocided, but, um, but that's stuff that like people can evolve on, you know, like, and, and, and it's, I, like, I look at people like, like her as just being like, she's probably not going to evolve on it. I would say because of just the nature of our society and discourse, you know, it's, it, it, it more pushes you towards, you know, you know, if, if people get mad at you instead of it, it, we, our society doesn't push towards self-examination, you know, it pushes towards like, okay, all these people are mad at me. I'm going to join the other side or double, triple, triple down. That's where like someone like James Gunn is different to me because James Gunn did get fired uh, from Disney, but he, he apologized, he acknowledged the mistakes, and then he worked hard to correct it and actually and, did the work. And a lot of people came a lot of people came forward and said, Look, you know. Yeah, he didn't on, this, double this down. He great. flat out he flat right. out said, Yeah, I was wrong. He, that he was sh- I was shitty. And and he ba- and then he backed off it. And then later on people were like, Look, this guy is great to work with and he's a he's a great guy, you know. And eventually and and, and he had public and and you know when you compare it with like Joss Whedon, which was like everybody <laughs> Joss Whedon, and now nobody can give a shit about him because he sounds like a dick and he won't own anything, and Joss it's Whedon just like like comes out once a year to be like I'm still an asshole, and then goes back into yeah yeah himself. yeah you know I mean but yeah you know and and so and and when when you start talking about trans stuff, it's just this it's this horrible phenomena that it's always it and uh and it's and it's always going to be the worst for whoever's the like right now like i mean gay marriage is is a thing now and it's just generally like there's still people who don't like like vocally don't like gay people and who are politicians and stuff but in society it it has been absorbed fairly quickly into our society is something that like is just is just part of life and so like then you move on to the net you know the next frontier of people that are being treated shitty because you know i and i'm just talking on the on the sexual rights you know the sexuality area now is trans people are in the spotlight now and you start like and just you know people people just it are just they're they're freaked out by it because they have no understanding of it like a, a lot of people that have to, like, a research. lot of people that are like i have a gay uncle so i under you know i understand what it's like you know i i and i love my gay uncle so you know what could i say uh, you know i understand blah 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 but you know statistically there's less trans people than there are gay people 
So there's less people that have that story of like, you know, my brother was trans or something like that, or, you know, my sister was trans and, um, and it, it like the way it, it messes with people's psychology and they get X, they get icked out about it because they're icked out about aspects of the, you know, it's complicated. It makes them, like, I, I think what you're trying to say is that out. when they're challenged with something different, it makes them analyze themselves. I know, I know, I know people, I know people like that I work with, like, you know, like that are, you know, younger, younger and are like <clears throat> totally accepting of gay people and stuff. And they, they even understand intellectually about trans people, but still they don't, under, they don't get it. And they'll sit there and go like, I don't, I just don't get it. It just seems kind of weird. And why would somebody, you know, the same way people used to talk about gay people until, cause there's a certain amount of people who just hate it. And then there's a certain amount of people who just haven't figured, haven't figured it out or haven't had, some sort of thing that made it click for them where they go, oh, okay, I understand. Or well, you know, a personal experience or, or I'm going to make this real easy. I'm going to make this real easy for everybody. You ready? You don't have to get it. You just have to respect it. Right, right. But that's, that's, <laughs> but the, yeah, but you have to get that too, you know, in order to do that, you know, and you don't and, have to get it. You just have to respect it and go, okay, yeah. this other human being is having yeah, it's, I just am going to respect this other human being. It's a horrible, ugly process. And every once in a while, some actress is going to get ejected from a TV show. And uh, yeah, and, that's... and it's not even that perfect because actually she did the trans stuff first. And it was probably about nine, ten months of pe fans calling for her firing. And she kept doubling down, doubling down. And then she did the, the anti-Semitism. Uh, right, well, she, she started doubling down and then everybody's watching her at the same time. And yeah. Disney's, sit Disney's sitting there going like, uh, yeah, this fuck? is ballooning. Yeah, this is ballooning instead of de decelerating. So yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, and, and martyrdom... Political martyrdom is a cash crop these days, too. So there's mm -hmm. that aspect of it, too. And Although working fine. for Disney is, and being groomed for your own TV series is a cash crop, too. So, and I promise you, she's, you fine. Got, she's currently filming a movie and she also is like doing a project with like Ben Shapiro, whatever the fuck yeah. his name is. So yeah, yeah, she's yeah. fine. She's not suffering for money. She's not like homeless or anything. She's fine. Like she's still getting work. Well, right. Um, right. I mean, that's that's the thing is, you know, she but, did she she blew a big money opportunity and she fucked around and found out. Well, that's the thing is, but that's your free speech, too. That's your that's that's yeah. your free speech. She she used oh, yeah. speech and she fucked up a, a opportunity for money. But there's no law that says you you're you need you. Your free speech means that you you are, you know, that 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 can't fuck up your money. Yeah. <laughs> fuck up a job and it did. So hey, that's... quick lesson everybody, when you claim free speech, free speech just means that the government can't arrest you for speaking out against them. It doesn't yeah, mean that you're free there's... of consequences. Yeah, it's usually yeah, the, or, or hamper it or the government can't mess with it, but yeah, but also there you know, and there are as with anything there's lines on free speech and there's yeah, and there's and there's consequences, and sometimes those consequences aren't deserved either. But so yeah. the, you know, there's consequences anyway. 
So, you know, and a lot of times that's the that's the thing about like having your free speech is it's not something that comes cheap. (laughs) And I don't mean by like wars and everything. I mean, cheap on just like right at the spot of you as a person. So. But um, just a note, Chris, as you're editing, um, remind me, I would like to send you links to the podcasts I mentioned so we can put them in the show notes. Yep, I'll 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 remember that also too as I'm yeah. as I'm editing. I just wanted to uh, just physically say it so it was on record. But from Hear here that, on everybody, out- and if I mess up, you all heard it. You all heard it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I know sure there's a have- lot of people that heard it. They might not report on it, but I know Gene's out there, and I know Gene heard it. And Gene, Gene will kick down your door and be like, "Where is this exactly. in the show notes? <laughs> I have to listen to more podcasts." <laughs> the fifth time this week, you just kicked down my door. Well, uh, are you ready to get into the episode? Yeah. Did you like this episode? I did. I would say it's my least favorite episode so far. This is still one of my favorite episodes of the sh- entire series. I have, I have like some, I have some, I, I have some simple like things about it that like really bother me. I get that because there are some weird, like little plot things here and there. It's just it's like this doesn't the, make sense. It's, it's production. It's production. Well, there is there is some plot stuff. There is a, there is one plot thing. Just standing that, in the window with his helmet off. <laughs> no, no. That gets me every time. No, no. But uh, we'll get to that. But I got some like just weird, like yeah, there just some presentation. I get dribbles. that. All right, you ready? Yes, I am. Chapter four, the sanctuary. Or no, it's not the sanctuary. It's the first one without a the. Chapter four, sanctuary, no the. Is the fourth episode of The Mandalorian. And it aired on November 29th, 2029. And it was written by John Favreau and directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Some extra information for you. Omera is played by Julia Jones. Her other works include The Twilight Saga, Westworld, and Dexter New Blood. Winta is played by Isla Ferris. Kaven is played by Asif Ali. His other works include being Norman One Division. The reason I named him as Norman One Division, because in my notes I wrote, Norman Pillboy, go fight. That's why. (laughs) Norman One Division, Wrecked, and Space Force. Stoked is played by Eugene Cordero. His other works include Star Trek Lower Decks, Steven Universe, and as someone who just started season three of this show. He's in the good place. Pillboy! J-Town represent! I know what that means. I've been really I have no idea. I've been really enjoying the good place. We just started season three. Pillboy! <laughs> the restaurant proprietor is played by Ida Darvish. Uh, her other works include... I lost my spot. I'm sorry. Uh, there I am. Her other works include the Assassin's Creed series... Queaky date, and just a fun fact: she's married to Josh Gad, who also had a voice, who also voiced the character in Star Wars Rebels. And Cara Dune is played by Gina Carano. Bryce Dallas Howard talked about directing for Star Wars, and she said, "Star Wars has been a very personal journey because I care very deeply about the man behind the story." George, honest, George being George Lucas, honestly feels like family and has been a mentor to my father, Ron Howard, since he was a teenager. It's incredibly, it's incredible to be part of this continuation of his story. I've always been in awe, I've always been in awe of Star Wars and the magic of that. I just remember this, I forgot to put this in my notes. Um, she finished 
filming this episode almost a year to the day that Ron Howard finished filming Solo. Like they were a year apart almost to the day. So that was a fun little cool thing. Uh, where am I? Pedro Pascal didn't actually act in this episode at all. He had scheduling conflicts finishing up filming a season of Narcos. This entire episode is acted by Brendan Wayne, who is Pascal's body in stunt double. Pascal later went back and, of course, dubbed over the episode's dialogue. Bryce Dallas Howard's kids were on set when they were filming this episode. This was a cute bit, and I have to give props to our friends over at Gold Squadron Gaze, because I was listening to them, and I didn't know this, so I jotted this down. So shout out, shout out to my boys over there. Um, so Bryce Dallas, Dallas Howard's kids were on set, and she was so worried about her kids spoiling them, uh, spoiling Baby Yoda, because nobody knew about Baby Yoda at this point, that she would make sure to tell her kids every day not to talk about Baby Yoda. And they called him um, the baby. So she'd be like, what do we not talk about today? And they'd be like, the baby. <laughs> so she made sure to remind her kids every single day to not spoil Baby Yoda. She's still lucky they didn't. So like I, like I said, I, I was listening to Gold Squadron Gaze and they were talking about this. And they made a good point. There are so many kids in this episode. Yeah, a lot of How- them look like little Ron Howard kids, too. They look like little Willow kids. But the thing is, is like, that's a shit ton of kids. And the fact that none of these children extras in the background spoiled Baby Yoda. Like, that's crazy that that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, oh, well, maybe. Yeah. That none of those little extras. They, they might have they might have been filming Baby Yoda with less, you know, they I mean, those kids might have been filmed in three batches and then like <laughs> optically like printed into place and stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and finally, uh, Howard pulled inspiration from Jurassic Park when filming the ATSD in the trees to mirror the, the dinosaurs in the trees and the T-Rex and stuff. So I've never seen Jurassic Park, so I don't know. You know who also gets filmed in batches? Mm. I'm sorry, Yoda. That was a bad segue. <laughs> I did my best. Filming Yoda, they are? Yeah, oh. we're filming you. Ugh. Jedi yeah. don't like to be filmed. Well, no, it's for, for you know, we want to interview you. It's um, for one of those TV shows of, like, behind the music. Of, like, Yoda the wants great... a rea- reality show. <gasps> That's what it is. We're going to mm. It's a show about washed up old actors. Mm-hmm. Yoda hasn't washed up in a while. Oh. <laughs> uh... Well, I got a question for you, Yoda. A question for Yoda, yeah. Yeah. So, I was wondering, Grogu is is so precious. So precious. So cute. So cute. And I got wondering, why why don't you have any children, Yoda? Oh, Oh, Yoda has no children. That Yoda knows about. <laughs> uh, yes, unfortunate with Jedi, yes. Do you have, like, just, like, super, super swimmers and they're just, like, kicking ass and, like, taking over half the galaxy? Well, yes. <laughs> In a way, yes. Not... Sometimes with Jet. Well, well, you know... Anakin Skywalker, yes. Are you Anakin's dad? No, no. 
No, but, you know, powerful Jedi or Sith sometimes can move through the Force, you know? Sometimes I'm so just leaning in because I, I want to see where this goes. When, uh, when a very strong force user and a slave woman on tattooing or random person meet in the force, sometimes Anakin Skywalker's happen. Maybe Yoda having, you know dirty dream and something happens in another part of the universe Yoda may never know I just realized never something know. Anakin Anakin and Grogu are the same age so did you mean to make an Anakin and you made a Grogu if Yoda, are you the father if Yoda made a Grogu it was not Yoda was maybe blacked out maybe or dreaming of Mama Hot birth something oh maybe God. but you're grogu's fa- you meant to make an anakin and you made a grogu and palpatine made anakin yoda cannot confirm or deny i need you to spit into this cup we need a paternity test you're gonna be paying child support though if it comes out positive Never mind. <laughs> Din, Din Jarring kicks in the door and he's like, where's my child support? <laughs> this baby's a lot. Wow, he no, ran. No, he Yoda will not go on Maury Povich's show. Yeah, let's go. No. Spin to the cup. Yoda does not like TV anymore. Come back here. Yoda Come has back here. to go. Come back here. No, spin. Ooh, he ran fast. I don't like the idea that, like, some powerful Jedi could get really drunk and pass out and start making babies around the universe. It's, yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm, 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 creepy. I'm, I'm, I am. <laughs> I am. I am just, I am. Anyway, you ready to get to the episode? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Act one, we open in a beautiful krill farm. It is a gorgeous day, the sun is shining. We've never been to Sorghum before, it's beautiful. These people are like doing their krill farming and it's great and they're just happy little people. And, and Omera's there and Omera's like, wow, I would love some exposition to happen so then I can just have this hot man come into my my life. And she's like, there's my daughter. He She needs a hot man as a dad. That's what I want. But then there's noise in the forest and the birds scatter and they're all like, ah, ah, and then they're gone. She's like, what's happening? And then the raiders come and they're all just like, hey, we're going to come take your shit, okay? And pew, pew. Everyone's like, ah! And, and Omera's like, she grabs Winter, they dive into the water because they can't get back to their houses in time, they hide under a basket. And the, the raiders are like, cool, we're, we're just going to take your shit then. And they grab a few things. They're like, all right, well, bye, see you next week. Same time, same place. Yeah? Okay, bye. And they leave. And, and Omera throws off the basket, and she looks at her destroyed village, and she's like, you know what, Winter? 
I am ding dang tired of our village getting exploded. And Winter's like, well, mommy, you must really feel that because you said ding dang. She's like, yes, I'm ding dang done with this. Meanwhile, across the I'm heckin' torqued off. I'm heckin' heck. What the, what the heck is going on? Hope has been watching Game Grumps play Rampa 2 and then just going, what the heck is going on? It's just stuck in my head now forever. Uh, anyway, I knew himbo dad, Dennis Jarin. I remember Dennis. You told me to remember him. I do now. Yeah, I didn't remember till now. So I know. I remembered Dennis Jarin. If you want to know why his name is Dennis, go look at last week's episode. Denny! Denny! Uh, himbo dad, Dennis Jarin. Um, is bonding with his baby, and Grogu's like, Dad, this ship is amazing. I want to touch all the buttons. And Den is like, please don't touch all the buttons. We will die, and you will jettison us out into space, and we will be blown out, and it'll be fun, bad. And so he, like, brings Grogu over to his lab. He's like, let's go to Sorgan. So they fly to Sorgan, and they land. And Den Jarred has no concepts of babies, because he's like, all right, son, I'm going to leave you here alone by yourself to not cause trouble. And you're going to sit there and I'm going to go figure stuff out. And he opens the door and there's his baby. And he's like, whatever, <laughs> let's go. No one knows what you are. They'll just think you're my cat or something. Let's go. And they head off to get food. So they get there. And you guys, you guys, you guys, Hope screams. Hope screams every time. They walk into the restaurant and there's a fucking Tuka cat. There's a Tuka cat on the floor. Actually, if I'm gonna really well actually, this is technically a Loth cat. You know that by its legs because it has longer spindly legs. Tuka don't have long spindly legs, but Loth cats do. So that's how we know that this is a Loth cat. But Star it's Wars. It's funny not because I I wrote Loth cat in my notes and then I scribbled it out and I'm like, oh, that's right, it's a Tuka cat. Well, that's oh. StarWars.com classifies that as a Tuka, but when you actually look at its legs, it's technically a Loth cat because Loth cats have longer legs than Tukas. And by longer, I mean the spindly parts. Well. Tuka have shorter meteor parts. Um, that's Hope's well, actually, and she knows way too much about this one subject of Star Wars. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So they sit down, and uh, Din's spider senses are tingling, and he looks over, and there's a mysterious lady in the corner staring at him, and he's like, I have a bad feeling about this. And Grogu's like, you said the thing. Well, then the, the delightful restaurant owner comes over, and she's just like, hello. What can I get you? Your baby is cute. He's like, I'm gonna give you 20 credits. Give me information. And this woman apparently has like no concept of how like this works. And she's like, wow, that's a big tip. I'll get your order. And she walks off. <laughs> I love that character. And when she walks off, Cardoon is gone. And Manda's like, oh, fuck. He's like, ma'am, watch my son. <laughs> and she, he throws more money. And I don't know how he keeps just throwing money at people because he apparently has no money, apparently. And he runs outside. And he goes to hunt her down. He's like, where'd that lady go? And he's like, hunting her down. He's like, I'm tired of being a badass. And Kara's like, no, you're not, bitch. And then she jumps out of nowhere. And then they fight. And they're all just like, you know, punch, punch, kick, kick. Oh, what a relief it is. And they punch, punch. <laughs> That's plop, plop, fist, fist. <laughs> anyway. And he tries to use the flame flower and it fails. And they finally put blasters on each other. And then Baby Yoda comes out and kicks off a meme that circles around the world. And that soup tea drinking meme was like everywhere for like a month. And he's just like, hey guys, don't fight. 
and Den's like, oh, my kid's fine. I guess you're fine, too. You want, you want some lunch? And so they go inside, and Kara explains, she's like, yeah, I'm, like, an ex-rebel soldier and stuff, but, like, I wasn't there to, like, sign up for peace stuff. I just kind of, like, punched him in the face, so I defected. And that's why I thought you were a bounty hunter. He's like, I am a bounty hunter, but not for you. Sorry, babe. And so she's like, well, this is my planet. I have this entire planet for myself. It apparently is as big as a neighborhood, which means you're not allowed to be here. Goodbye. And she walks off. And Dan's like, fuck. I guess we can't stay anywhere else on this planet, and we should go. So he's getting ready to leave that night, and then, hey, boy! And Norm show up, and they're like, hi, Mr. Mando, can you come help us? And he's like, nah. And they're like, please help us. We heard you're a Mandalorian and that you're good at stuff. He's like, nah. And then they're like, well, we live in the middle of nowhere and we have money. And he's like, middle of nowhere? Like the next neighborhood over? Because Kara, Kara claimed this neighborhood. I can't, I'm going to go to your neighborhood now. I'm going to help you. Also, give me that money. And he takes the money. And he runs over and he's like, hey, Kara, you want to do a job? And she's like, a job? Do you have money? And he throws the money at her and she's like, okay, let's go. And they go off to go do a job together. What'd you think of Act One? My first note in big letters, I just wrote two cat. Um, I'm, I'm going to say, I think the waitress knows the score a little more. I think like her whole like, oh, wow, what a big tip. Thank you. Is just sort of like her way of like, I'm not answering that question, <laughs> you know. I, I, I have two thoughts on her. I, on, I, one, I, on one hand, I, I, I like the idea of what you're saying, where she's like just kind of playing along, like playing dumb. But I also really like the idea that they were so out in the far in the booties that she's just generally like, wow, that's really nice. <laughs> I like both ideas because both work in my brain. I think if she was that naive, she might have been a little more freaked out by just like the vibe of the Mandalorian and Cara Dune in her bar because they were more like Outland, you know, they were more like Cantina, you know, Star Wars, Moss Eisley Cantina type characters, like trouble. Yeah. Basically, while everybody else are just like villager, farmer type people. Um, yeah, I, but I just, I, I like both ideas. I just really like the idea of this like character having no concept of this and just being like, wow, that's a big tip. I haven't even done anything. You're so sweet. Oh my God. Like, I love the concept. It's like, if that's really how she is, I love her. <laughs> that's actually one of my notes. <laughs> You're saying, go on. So I have two more shallow notes and then my main note for this. I love the dogmen. Oh, uh, the Clatoonians. Wait. Yes, uh, I love how do doggy they look in this. And uh, it's uh, I, w one thing I find funny is, like, realistically, you can't take a walk with Grogu. Like, or, or you can, yeah. but it's going to be real slow. But you can't walk into town with Grogu because he's too small. And he's he's just too going to be walks too slow. So it's always good for a, a little short establishing shot. But you're never going to be able to get any, like, long walking and talking shot with Grogu walking because there's no way he could keep up, you know, everybody would have to be just, you'd have to be just sitting there and like maybe waiting and taking five steps and then waiting, you know, or, or just like shuffling along. But it's, you know, it's a visual. It's a it's, really cool visual for the puppet. Yes. Yes. But, but realistically, yeah, you wouldn't be putting, you would be carrying Grogu around in something if you're walking into town it's just like when it's just like in episode one when they're like, come on, let's walk into Mos Epsa. And they've got like, I think that 
Did they they had R two with them, didn't they? And uh, yeah, they had R two with them because that's where R two and three. So you know, they got R two to just sort of like roll slowly through the sand. You Are you know? talking about? Oh, oh, you're talking about episode new one. Oh no, yeah. or Phantom oh. Menace or Phantom Menace. Menace. Phantom Menace. They go walking like if the they they like park like three miles out of town or something like that. Oh they yes, go, yes, like, yes, yes, Let's walk into town and take R two D two with us, and R 2s just sort of like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't go very fast through the sand like that. It's but you know what are you gonna what are you gonna do? All right, here's the the uh, my main visual. It's a set It's a it's a it's a set design thing, and that's the 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 whole village and and the people that live in the village it, i i call this a star trek village and and i'm and mostly when i say star trek i'm gonna i'm i'm referencing like star trek the next generation when they go down to a planet and find a village and they're on a tv budget mm-hmm. so what you have to do is you have one establishing shot which is the shot from above where you see all the little uh ponds that they've built in the village and people working in it and stuff and then after that, everything's a really tight shot because you just have this little, you know, a little set. And it's made up of stuff that's like, um, you know, stuff with the the baskets and everything. There's nothing outside of those. Those baskets look like, you know, baskets you would find in a rice paddy in Vietnam, you know. And then you throw in a couple like robots and stuff to show that you're in. The the and that aspect of it I don't mind so much, but like Star Trek, it's got this brand new look to it, which doesn't work with Star Star Wars as much for me. Where like everybody's clothes are really clean and bright, and uh, everybody it's... every everybody's well like very everybody's well, well scrubbed and 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 cleaned up, and it looks like a bunch of actors and actresses. And if this is a village, it doesn't look like a village because they're like, we can't leave. We've been here for generations. They sort of run through all the the, um, tropes of, you know, a Western movie of the town. You know, my grandpappy settled here or whatever. But where are the old people? Where and and if they've been farmers for generations, farming's hard work. They're all really like these sort of skinny, wimpy looking people. You know, they're the standard like, we don't know how to fight. But like if they were really farmers, they would probably there'd be some beefy people there. You know what I mean? So it, it's just a weird sort of like homogenous, very clean looking group. And if they were like a member of like if they were like some sort of like cult or something or like religious order, I could see it like, you know, something like that. But they, they you know, they they, they they it just looks too it looks too clean for for Star Wars and too new for like them being established in that spot. And the way that they're sort of established is they're, you know, they don't have a big, their village is very like, you know, light. It's, 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 you know, mesh buildings and stuff. Why not just move somewhere else? You're, you, you just can, you know, get, get the Mandalorian to help you move all your, he could load all your stuff into three loads in his ship and take you to another part of the planet where you don't have to worry about these goofballs. And, uh, and, but you know, it's it ju- it just is very it 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 
it shouldn't bother me because it's just this it, this is a trope the you know the 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 peaceful idyllic village that's getting torn through but also they don't look torn through if they're getting if they're basically getting their crops stolen all the time you know i i don't know it it's, it it just looked a little too it, it i would have thought it would have been a little more beat up and established looking but um yeah i want i wanted to let you finish because everything that's all, that's all the notes i got everything you just said minus one no no everything you just said minus one point which i disagree with is exactly why i love this episode uh-huh that's what i love about this episode um I'm, okay the little nitpick i'm gonna just get out of the way I, I actually disagree like one of the things i didn't i didn't write it down but i thought about it when i was watching it it's like i love how dirty winter looks like Winter does not look clean. Like her hair is kind of matted, and like they all kind of look dirty to me. Like they they look like they work in water and mud. Um, so I do disagree with that. Cause they they to me they look dirty. Um, you know, like Omer's hair is not like perfectly brushed or anything. Like it has like like mats in it. Um, so it all looks dirty to me. Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and pull one of my Act Two notes because it kind of um, ties into this because I love the design of this village. I love the little crane like almost crane like fishing droids that are like like cranes walking through the water because it shows that they're just far enough in the outer rim but they're still in a star wars story because they still have those little notes it felt very star wars visions to me and that's where i'm going to go ahead and pull from my act two note what i love about this episode is how much it feels like a fairy tale it feels yeah. like the space fantasy that Star Wars is. And it plays on a lot of those fairy tale tropes of just like the, the village that's being attacked. And of course, this is a, a nod to Kurosawa. This this episode is an, is an homage to the Seventh Samurai. Um, and I, I'll talk more about that later. But like, that's what I like about this episode is the fact that it is a little bit more tropey. And it falls on a lot of not science yeah. fiction tropes. It falls on fantasy tropes, this... which is makes it kind of almost dreamy like you have this opening like with the krill underwater and it's like this like this underwater kind of peaceful shot and um you have these like bad guys that have to be saved by this like shining knight in armor which is mando and he has this kind of like mythical creature being grogu with him and that's it's turned up a few times in star wars too because we have the lermans were sort of a similar sort of yeah and and i'll talk about this do I have that episode? This note. Do I have this note in Act One or Act Two? It's in Act Two, so I'll I'll, I'll come back to this. But um, it's also a, a nod to the Clone Wars episode Bounty Hunters, which I'll talk about. Um, but that's actually what I really love about this episode is it's so drastically different from the rest of the show, where the rest of the show feels yeah. like it's that teetering of space fantasy and sci-fi. But this feels all fantasy. It feels almost dreamlike. It has this almost dreamlike idyllic opening and then like the very stereotypical tropey bad guys with the tropey heroes that come in and save the day following up. Like, and that's what I like about it. Okay, is, okay. So I have a question for you. Do you think okay. this is going to end? Because I, I, like I had similar thoughts. I just didn't write it down and for, forgot about it until now. But like it's it's so peaceful and and like like perfect there and with later set up in the story do you think this is how the series is going to end literally like one of my act like, two notes uh, is like, 
I he's really gonna hope be this... landing. Like one of the last shots we'll see is him landing and her looking up and seeing his ship coming down or something like that. One of my act two notes is I really hope the series ends with Den coming back to Sorgan, taking off his helmet and settling down with Omera. Yeah, that's, that's... actually one of my act two notes. Yeah, and but it's also hitting the tropes of the Western um, as well, which is also a very Kurosawa thing. Um, and I, I'll talk about this more with Omera because Omera is the Western trope of the widower, the widower who learned how to fight because she had to. And it's well, a trip as well. I, I recognize her face was like driving me nuts. And then it's Westworld. I, it's Westworld. <laughs> it's from Westworld. Blonde hair in Westworld. But she played a, well, she didn't play a similar character, but she played a character that was a robot that did similar, was, you know, she's got that all-American school marm face, you know, that just sort of like, it's like a, she has like an open face that, like, not like a sandwich would be open face, but I mean, like, <laughs> you know, like a very open, it makes her look like a very open and, um, um, Exposed, sort of emotionally exposed, sort of character, you know, or just her face has an honesty about it that just like looks, you know, very like like the like like the school marm who's not completely naive, but naive, you know, naive enough to be, you know, just sort of like completely good natured. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Now her character in Westworld wasn't completely good natured because there was all sorts of other stuff going on. But that was, but her face—that's how she was initially presented in that. So, yeah, yeah, she's a perfect, perfect for that role, you know. And, and the thing is, is like I, I understand people's criticism of this episode. Like I understand that, like it, it leans on a lot of tropes, both for westerns and fantasies. And I understand that that can like be kind of tropey and i understand why people don't get it um i don't mind it i i like this leaning heavily into the fantasy because um it feels this episode feels so drastically different from the rest of the show like this episode always stands out in my brain because of the fact it's so drastically different and i get people well he can't be there that's why he he can't be there if he's there if he's if he stays there he'll destroy it because people will be coming after him and the baby but uh, But but if he gets to a certain point in his life he could be there he could be there yeah Yeah. it's it's a dream and it's a goal and it's like um you know this if, if we're following like the hero wheel or whatever like you know like this is the goal to get to but um to finish the point that i was saying um i i said this multiple times through resistance I would rather them do something with Star Wars that's drastically different and it not work than not try at all. And this feels drastically different for Star Wars, uh, even though it's leaning on other episodes and like other tropes and stuff like that. It feels different from the rest of the series. And I get that it doesn't work for everybody, but I'd rather them try and fail than not try at all, which is a lot of my problem with Bad Batch, which just feels very safe episode to episode. And it feels like it, a lot of the same, but I, I mean, like that this is different. The set design is very, when I compared it to Star Trek The Next Generation, it's not just Star Trek The Next Generation, but it's just very 90s TV production set design. And it's weird. You know, it's, it's, but I kind of like that. 
sad about it though. Like I like that because maybe maybe because we didn't it's have like any sort of Xena or Hercules, you know. Yeah, and I like maybe because we didn't have like a lot of Star Wars in the nineties other than movies. Like this feels like a show like an episode that would have been made if we had a Star Wars a live action Star Wars TV show in the nineties. And I kinda like that about it. Well, I mean, granted, it's not this for everybody. looks better than like Xenar, but yeah, it's exactly that's this is yeah, it this this is the most this is like up until this point, it's been very cinematic. This has been like the first like TV episode feeling of it, and I'm more used to the TV like episode feel coming into the TV episodes because it's been go, you know, we've had them and we've got Boba Fett going and stuff so. Maybe it's not as shocking seeing this, but yeah, I still um, I, I would have done a little different in the set design, but yeah. Um, my other notes are I, I really like the scene of just Din and Grogu bonding in the Razor Crest, and Din and like Baby Yoda just like hitting all the buttons, and Din's like, "You're gonna kill us!" <laughs> but just it's so I love the scene of just Din just sitting Baby Yoda down and just being like, "All right, Grogu, you stay here," and then like. He's with them because I'm like, this kid's a toddler. He's not going to listen to you, Dad. It's so clear that you're not used to toddlers because he's not going to listen. Like, that scene always cracks me up. Have you ever heard of Aural Knots? A U R A L N A U T S. I have, but refresh me. They're a YouTube channel, and I think they're most popular for doing the original trilogy, but it's. Yes, yes, yes. Well, there are some, they've been doing, they've done some Mandalorian, what, short, short, short ones, you know, of him and, and, and Grogu and stuff that are pretty funny. And of like the stormtrooper, the doofy stormtroopers that were shooting at the cans and stuff. It's, uh, it's really good. I'll say, I'll, I'll try to find the one of him and Grogu and send it to you. (laughs) Um, And my only other note, and I'll definitely talk about this more next week, because next week's episode is actually the first time I really noticed it for the first time, but um, I I picked up on it this time around. And I think it's really interesting how from this point going forward, and I I mean going forward like through season two, um, Din kind of uses Grogu like a litmus test to see how people react around him. Just like people use their kids and their pets. <laughs> exactly. Because, like, like take two examples. I'm going to use Pelly for next week. Because um, that's the first time I noticed it. Like, at first, like, when he was like, all right, I have my child. And Pelly Moto picks up Grogu. And he's like, don't touch my child. And Grogu's like, I love this woman. And he's like, oh, then I guess she's fine. Because the kid, because Grogu is like, this woman's fine. And then compared to last week when he's with Werner Herzog and Grogu's sobbing. Quite a quite a spread of yeah, but yeah. Yeah. And so like, you know, in the meme scene with him drinking the soup, you know, Din and Kara were beating the shit out of each other until Grogu is there. And he sees that Grogu's fine with her. And that's his litmus test of going, okay, I can trust this person. And I think that's really interesting because I think he doesn't quite understand. Of course, he doesn't quite understand the force or what any of that is. But he's starting to realize that how his kid reacts to people tells him and informs Den how he should react to them. Yeah. And I, and I think that's really interesting. But I, I first noticed it in next week's episode. But I picked it up here with this one. Because the meme. <laughs> the meme is everywhere. Do you remember that week after this episode came out and that Jesus. baby soup? God, it was everywhere. <laughs> um, 
But that's all I have for Act 1. Do you have anything else? No, I don't. All right. <clears throat> Act 2. So, Norman Pillboy bring Din, Kara, and Baby Yoda to the village. And everyone's like, oh my god! The real star of the show is here! It's Baby Yoda! And all the kids are freaking out. They're like, he's so cute! Oh my god! So, Din comes over and he, like, walks into the house and there's Omera. And Omera's just like, hi. And she's like, oh no, she's pretty. Hi. I'm I'm Himbo. I mean Den. I mean Dennis. I don't know my name. Hi. And she's like, well, we're really happy that you're here. You know, this is your space. I wish it was better. And he's like, no, this this is fine. This is fine. I really wish your dress was on the floor. I mean, thanks for the thanks for the room. <laughs> and she's like, what did you say about my dress? And he's like, I didn't say anything about your dress. Hey, look at your daughter. Hi, Winter. And Winter walks in. And she's just like, hi. I really like your kid. Can I hang out with your kid? And he's like, yes. You two leave the room now and she's like okay so she takes Grogu and they leave and they have like this like raging single parent energy where they want to be parents together and Omera's just like I really like your helmet and he's like thanks I really like your everything and she's like but you don't you don't take your helmet off and it's weird because she seems to be very aware of the Mandalorian code without him ever prompting it and she's like you've never taken that off have you he's like no and she's like okay well i'll tell you what here's some food so you can eat in private because i'm very respectful and he's like thanks i'll show you my this is the way later she's like i don't know what that means but i'll see you later okay bye and she leaves and he's like oh, oh, i need to calm down this armor is very tight right now oh. <laughs> and then like the big old stupid himbo he is takes off his helmet in front of an open window where everybody's just like 10 feet away from him and all they have to do is look up and he's like this is fine and he eats food later that night Kara and Din go walking because they're gonna go track down the raiders and Kara's like so about the Omera and he's like she's so pretty oh my god <laughs> I'm so excited to be here right now and he's like and she's like keep it keep it in your pants you know use your other blaster because we gotta find some raiders and so they're walking along and they find a footprint in the dirt and they scan it and they realize it's an ATST, an Imperial Walker. And they're both like, well, fuck, we're not paid enough for that. So then Himbo goes back and he has the worst bedside manner. And he's just like, sorry, guys, you got to move. And all the villagers are like, oh, we don't want to move. And he's like, well, you got to because I'm not fighting a walker. And they're like, well, what if we all fight together? You know, we could just do a whole training montage, like like that Clone Wars episode, Bounty Hunters. You guys could be Anakin Skywalker and Ahsoka Tano and Obi-Wan Kenobi teaching a group of villagers to fight against Hondo and Naka, so we can, you know, teaming up with other, other, uh, ser uh, uh, not samurai, other bounty hunters, like Embo and Sugi and the rest of them, because that was Embo's first appearance, and we all love his hat and dog. And Dinner was like, that was a very specific example. <laughs> They're like, we could do that too. And Din looks at Kara and is like, well, you want to do a training montage? And she was like, hell yeah, we do. So they have a training montage and they make a plan. And they're like digging holes to trap the ATST and they're teaching them how to fight. And Din's like, 
yeah, who here can shoot? And Omera's like, I can shoot. And he's like, I, I can shoot too. I shoot not blanks. And she's like, ew. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot your rifle now. Pew, 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 pew. And he's like, yeah, you can shoot my rifle. Can you shoot it more? And she's like, yeah, I can. Pew, 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 pew. And meanwhile, like, Norman Pillboy are in the background like, what's happening here? And he's like, don't interrupt us. She's shooting things. And they're like, yeah, but you're wasting all of the ammo. And he's like, shut up, we're flirting. And there's more pew, pew, pew. Anyway, so they all train the villagers. They're all ready to go and they make barricades and dig tolls and shit and it's fun. And before they leave, Omera's like, I guess you gotta go now. And Dan's like, yeah, it's nighttime, and it's getting dark fast, and I have to come back, you know, to fight. She's like, be careful out there, and Kara's like, oh my god, let's go, people! Make out later! And, and Omer's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna clean your helmet later with my tongue, and he's like, yeah, I can't wait. And so they head on out, and Kara's like, you know, it was a bad idea to bring you here, man. I, I just, you know, whatever. And they head on out to start their mission, and I sat on my computer. What'd you think of Act Two? Um, there's some, there's some. This is almost as bad as my Kalazem fan fiction I came up with during Rebels. I got, I got two minor notes, and then I've got my, my plot quibble in this. Hit me. All right. The, the I love the scene where. The religious fanatic has to explain some aspect of his of his kooky clan to a normal person and expect them to be just like, oh, well, you know, and, it, you know, he's explaining about how long have you had your helmet? Oh, since I was a little kid like that, I'd take it off. And, and then he's like, this is the way. And she's just like gives him this like okay dude if you say so <laughs> okay so I, I, see... I have a note about that too because and, and and it just shows like he's starting to see like you know there's no way for him to not wrap his mind around the absurdity of him wearing the helmet and you know and how it looks to other people and really how it looks to him too you know it's it's yeah. it's when you when you have to like if you're about with a bunch of Mandalorians, it's just like, yeah, wear the helmet. And when, when you're out in the bounty, when you're a badass bounty hunter and the people you're hunting, yeah, they're like, yeah, Mandalorians, they never take their mask off and stuff. And then, but then when you get around normal people and start explaining, they're just like, yeah, that sounds really uh, dumb and uh, unnecessarily uncomfortable. And yeah, but cool, dude, you do you, you know? I have a theory about that, actually, um, while we're on this, because it's about that same point. So the reason why Omera is really interesting to me is she brings up the armor and the helmet without him prompting her. She, and she brings it up in a way that she's not asking, like, why do you wear the helmet? She says it as a statement of, you are wearing this thing. And I get the feeling that she's not originally from Sorgan. This is all hope theory. Um, and she seems to know what it is, why he's wearing it, and knows what questions to ask. And it makes me wonder if she has some sort of background with Mando culture. Like, I don't she, know. She can maybe, handle a gun, too. She can know. handle a gun, too. Well, that all, so, because that also solves a little mystery of, of, like, why should she? I mean, you know, I mean, like, she's really thinking of, like, like keep this guy here as my mate. She's obviously smart. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, she's, but she's like looking at him with like, you know, 
not literally marriage, but she's like, you know, they 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 kind of get Google eyed over each other. But he's a guy in a robot suit, and like he really doesn't talk much, and he's obviously good with kids, and kids are come to like her daughter sort of is. I mean, he pulls a gun on her daughter is first thing. <laughs> and, yeah. But at the same time, he's obviously like freaked out that he did it and you know and then the daughter's just like oh cool you know and and is comfortable so like yeah but still you know what is there to so she might know a little more about mandalorian culture or be a little more because yeah you know she doesn't ask questions as somebody who knows nothing she right. makes statements of someone who has had other experiences right. and go and her her statements are more about why are you specifically this way? Almost like as if she's been around other Mandos who have taken off their helmets. And so like, like my hope theory is either she's been around Mandos or she might be like, or she might've been a foundling or something like, and, and then when whatever happened to Mandalore, she came here. Um, I mean, and of course, like I said earlier, like Omera is the widow trope of Westerns. Of she knows how to shoot because her husband died and she had to learn how to shoot. You know, that's the trope that Omera falls into. But in the context of the bigger show, it just her questions and statements are so specific that it almost it does it feels like she knows more and there's more to her. So I really hope we get her return sometime because there's something there that is very interesting of something bigger and I don't know what it is. And hope theory is one. There has to be something there or else or something, I'll, some other component there or else it doesn't really make that much sense. Oh, or else she's making of, like huge leaps of logic for no reason. Or yeah, she's, yeah. or she's like, you know, I mean, but that's the thing is she doesn't come off as like, this is a person who's like super desperate to have a, you know, like that, that trope, you know? Yeah. It's she seems actually kind of independent and not not really like yeah, so it's it's hard to say. Okay, my other yeah. my other shallow note is that the training montage is totally out of the Sam Raimi movie Army of Darkness. Oh, it's straight from the, uh there's I a lot I mean that the Army of Darkness one is distilled from a million other montages other but with the sticks where they're doing the hoo ha ha, ha, ha That's ha, straight ha. from Clone Wars. The, the episode Bounty Hunters, like where Kara takes the stick and turns it and puts it back in the villager's head, hand, head, hand. Um, Anakin does that in the episode Bounty Hunters. He yeah, does and, the exact same beat. Well, Ash, do, Ash does that in, in Army of Darkness, too. So it's just like, yeah. it's, it's, it's just like so familiar. All right, so here comes my plot complaint. Do it. This, this is where they blew it. They didn't blow it, but they blew, they could have they could have made something really cool into a real into a lot bigger moment. So at the beginning, when they're first attacked, you don't see the ATST. They really set it up. Like there's maybe like a big monster coming. It sounds like a monster. It's like, you hear and like, you just see the trees moving and shit. And then the guys come running out, you know, after it. So it could be a big monster that they're riding or, you know, you don't know what it is, you know, so when when they find the foot and they're like it's an ATST, you know we can't find it. We have to move. That you could have cut that all that out the whole. You got to move and everything. The the you know and just set it up to where they're like, okay, we you know here's what we'll do. We'll set up our defenses. We'll train you to fight and stuff, and then 
the the night when they have everything all set up and they know the Raiders are going to come, have Kara and the Mandalorian go out ahead to sort of like they're going to sabotage the Marauders before they even get there and and slow them down and take out, you know, the worst of them before they get to the village. And that's when they stumble, you know, that's when the ATST comes up out of the woods with the eyes. And so that way the viewer doesn't know that it's coming. And, and like subliminally, immediately, there's going to be parts of their brain that go ATST, but at the same time, it's going demon monster, just like, you know, it would it would be just a great and just be like, oh God, they got an ATST. And then that, you know, cause they, I, you know, the whole thing about like, oh, you gotta go, we gotta go argue. That was really just like liberty blabber. It doesn't really, it never really served any plot point. And the whole, we gotta d- make a trap for the ATST. You didn't need to do that. You could have them running ahead of it in the woods. And he's just like, we gotta get this thing into one of those pools, you know? and worked it for and worked it the same way from there but like it would have made that reveal of the atst all the more you know because uh, as soon as they find the footprint they're like they got an atst and then they start talking about it you know you're going to see an atst and it's still cool the way it's revealed and you don't expect it and there it is and it's and it's a, like kind of a little jump scare but they could have really like they could have really like played it up a lot more and that's that's what i would have gone with if i was working on this episode i would have taken out all that unnecessary stuff of them arguing about having to move or not and just cut to the chase of like okay we're gonna train you up with you know they could have had the same line with him he's like unless we train them you know and the same montage you might have been able to even have fit in an extra little scene with uh with omera and din you know that could have filled in a little bit more but i think i think they really blew like the first time i saw it i didn't think of it it was still really cool but the second time it's like ooh, they could have made this like bam you know a really really dr- even more dramatic re- reveal that's all i got for part two i don't disagree with you i agree with that i, I could see that i think that would that could have worked as well too so yeah i don't disagree um i already covered like half my notes from fairy tales and all um if it's not apparent one of my big notes and big letters from the recap i ship den and omera so ding dang much if it's not apparent oh. <laughs> i i ship them so ding dang much um well i really have done almost all my notes already um den baby you're in the window with no helmet baby you you dumbass himbo everybody's like 10 feet away <laughs> I, I think how it should have ended or honest trailers, one of those have definitely slandered that of just the beak like there's his face because <laughs> they're right there. Uh, though it does make sense though, because Pedro's not acting in this episode, so they couldn't show his face, which I get. Um, because he actually is physically not in this episode episode filming, so I get why. Um it's just it's that's the one moment of this entire episode that almost takes me out of it of just him well, standing openly in the window in front of people right his, there. His stun actor is good though. He really he captured because really he like the like that 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 scene that felt very Pedro Pascal is where he's sitting in there sitting in the in the you know, he's waving goodbye to the kids and then he just sort of leans back and then baby Yoda like copies him. But that yeah. lean back is very, looks very like, you know, his body language. Yeah, very much so. 
Um, the, actually, so I wanted to talk about a little bit of Clone Wars for a second, because as I already said, like they are, this is also almost beat for beat. The Clone Wars episode Bounty Hunters, down to even like Anakin taking the stick, flipping it around and like showing them how to do it. Like they, there's a lot of uh, like this. And of course, this episode and that episode, actually, the Clone Wars Bounty Hunter episode actually had a tribute like in loving memory of like of Akira Kurosawa. Like it actually was in the, like the credits. Um, so these are both o- homages to the Kurosawa film Seventh Samurai. And I remember at the time of this release. A lot of people that okay, let me rephrase this. Deep divers like us who have who watch Clone yes. Wars no, and stuff like, like that. when you were saying that this is what I was thinking that I started reading, and I'm like, oh, she's ahead of me on this one. <laughs> yeah, like deep divers like us who have watched Clone Wars and Rebels and Resistance, who like watch everything, stuff like that, had a lot of gripes with the fact that this was almost beat for beat the same episode as Bounty Hunters. But here's the thing. Clone Wars still, even with Disney Plus, is still a niche show. The general audience is going to be watching this show and not Clone Wars. So this is actually is hitting a wider audience, yep. introducing the same beats, the same stories, and the same ideas for a mainstream stream audience. And this was a lot of their first time seeing that. So while I, you know, I felt a, a little bit the same way the first time I saw it, but also at the same time. This wasn't written for me as a deep diver. This episode was written for the mainstream audience. So and I think I think there's me. an element with like and like you know it's John Favreau in this this um, case, but like yeah, it, it could happen with any number of people. It happened a little bit in in um, visions of where like okay, like a lot of the people who are really <coughs> deeply into Star Wars and are into like into the origins of it. And also, like, I, I imagine I'll bet you Favreau's a big fan of, like, Kurosawa movies and Lone Wolf and Cub and stuff. They want to get their crack at it, you know? They want to get their crack Absolutely. at the Seven Sa- Samurai in Star Wars, you know? And and maybe they have an idea for it, and it might be very similar to Clone Wars. But like you said, you know, I mean, the vast majority, you know, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of crossover from people who watch Clone Wars who watch Mando, like, but there's less... It doesn't go the other Cross, way. It doesn't go the other way as as much because people are always going to go for the live action. It's like the movie thing, and that they think the cartoons are going to be kiddified and stuff like that. And to and some has, degree, they're the right. Filoni touches like the Loth cat. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and the, that's that's the thing though is 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 the the is the like the thing about the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett is they have some a lot of the like surprisingly soft touches that people would probably expect more in the cartoons and some of the cartoons have some of the like harsh aspects that you would expect more from a from a live action show at it so mm-hmm. it's it's kind of strange maybe not but with clone wars for sure clone wars is definitely like people who like the mandalorian who never checked out the clone wars probably just like don't know that they're like missing they they might not like rebels as much but like you know they 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 don't know that they're missing something with clone wars because they not don't like animation but i know people who are just like i just don't like the look of star wars in cg or in you know 3d yeah. animation so what are you going to do i i I understand that. If I didn't like the way it looked, I wouldn't watch them either. 
it, it's hard. Yeah, I get I get that. That's um, yeah. So it doesn't bother me anymore. Like it used to. But yeah. It doesn't bother me because it's this was a lot of people's first intro to it. So. Uh, I mean, I'm at the point now where there's so much stuff that's good of any kind of genre of any kind of entertainment that I want in the world that I, if I, if I had the luxury of quitting my job and just being a consumer of media, I wouldn't have time to consume all the stuff that's like really good, you know? (laughs) And so like when something really like something that I don't like, or is looking like it might be really bad come is coming, coming out. I really don't care anymore. <laughs> uh, like when people are like, movies are going to hell. It's like, so what? <laughs> There's still enough good stuff that you can't, like you could almost never saturate yourself with good good content. Why worry about the stuff that you consider bad content? It's, it's, it's strange. I, There's I just... just, it all exists out there. So there's like no... Nobody, it's not like the old days where you're forced to watch whatever's on at seven o'clock on the channels you get. I just figured out my problem with the Bad Batch. What's that? And it just hit me as we were talking. I've come to the understanding that Bad Batch actually, coverage coming up, folks. We're halfway through the first season. We are coverage. blowing through Mando. Oh my God. Um, no, I just, I just, I just, it just hit me why I have ish, such issues with Bad Batch. The issue I have is, I understand that live action shows like Mando and Boba Fett are going to be written for a more general audience. I totally understand that. So I imagine that, and that's why something like this, where it's retreading a Clone Wars episode, it doesn't bother me because I, I have the understanding that's written for a general audience. I have the expectation of animation diving deeper where it is you know like clone wars rebels and resistance all are very deep shows that are changing mythos that are pushing boundaries and that are changing things and that i just hit me that that's my problem with bad batch is because it's so safe it's not taking the risk it's not diving deeper it's not pushing boundaries and that's my problem with it not yet just it hit. Not I, yeah yet oh that's true that's a very valid point it's season one not yet anyway it could, don't know. it could get we know we know how we know how it can go either way. <laughs> but the fact that like to me, like season one of resistance of all things pushed more boundaries than season one of Bad Batch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but season season one of resistance came out in, in a different environment, a, di- a different Star Wars environment, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, absolutely. Bad batch feels like a reactionary of just like, oh no, people didn't like Last Jedi, we have to be safe again. <laughs> mm. So. Almost everything after last Jedi. That's, that's so <laughs> fucking sanitized. <laughs> so sanitized. I hate it. I hate it here. <laughs> except for except for the High Republic, which is so gay <laughs> and gay and everything. I love it. Well, I'll, I I will say whatever you say about it. I think it's a correct. I mean, almost anything's a correction from last Je- from from last Jedi from Rise of Skywalker. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's all I have for Act Two. Did you have anything else? No, I'm ready for Act Three. Let's let's pew pew the puppy. Let's go. Wrap the puppy up and pew pew. Act Three. It's time for the pew pew pews to start. 
So Din and Kara infiltrate the raider camp, and they're all just like, all right, we're going to piss them off and get them to chase us. And she's like, okay. And they like punch the people in the face, and the raiders are like, ow, you punched us in the face. I guess we're going to come chase you now. And they're like, ha-ha, motherfucker. And they blow up a tent. And when they blow up the tent, the ATST, which I actually don't know quite how it works. I don't know if there's people in it or if it's... It acts like it's being, like, controlled, like, by remote control or just is, like, an AI no, or something. No, usually it looked like there were at least two two chairs in an ATST. Two yeah, the way this one moves, like, they blow up the tent, they, t- they blow up the tent and then the ATST turns on. Almost like it's it's programmed to be like, oh, shit's happening. I think it might have just been a timing thing that, like, the guys were in there warming it up and they were inside getting ready, you know. Keeping it get- warm? Getting ready, you know, getting ready to maybe go and do something with the village and, and then all It was sudden, cold outside. They had to warm it up for like 10 minutes. Yeah, maybe two of them were like in there getting get, getting it on, you know. Let's uh, sneak ah! up the ATST. Good uh, I imagine, I imagine you would have guards posted around at, any, at the very least anyway. Good for those Clatoonians, whatever they are. Good for them. I I hope they had good sex in that. A lot of people can't find. A lot of people can't find the (laughs) Clatoonians. That's why they get away with so much. They're very mysterious and elusive, but very sensitive when you get to know them. What? Okay, I don't know what you find so funny about the Clitonians. I can hear you smiling on the other side of this. Anyway, the ATSC wakes up and it's just like, I want to shoot you, and it starts following them. So Den and, Den and Kara are just like, fuck, fuck, run away, fuck, fuck, run away. And they run back to the village, which I guess is just like the next neighborhood over because it's not a very long run. You know, apparently the raiders are right there and they follow. And the, the raiders come attacking. They're just like, you punched us in the face. And they're like, well, we're going to fight you. And the ATST comes out like a damn T-Rex in Jurassic Park, which is what it's based on. It's just like, I'm here to fuck stuff up. And instead of like little pew-pews, it's more like a pew-pew. But the plan doesn't go as planned because it stops at the end of the pond. So the pond planned is not planning out. I'm very proud of that. Off the top of my head. Um, so there's more pew pews, and everyone's like, This is going shitty. And like, Cowboy and Norm are just like, Ah! And Omar, Omar is just like, Keep fighting. And Kara's like, This, we need a new plan. And so she like runs out as a distraction. She jumps in the, the pond, and the pond plan is now back in action because the ATST is just like, Oh, I'm gonna follow you. And they're all like, Pew pew. And Ted's like, Keep fighting. And, um, Long story short, the ATST finally steps into the pond and it's just like, oh no, I'm down! And it falls over. And then, like the glorious himbo he is, like comes sprinting out there and throws a grenade inside it. And the two wonderful, at least the two Clutonians had sex and before Hicks and they explode and die. And and the leader of the Clutonians is just like, oh no. And you know what, my boy Pillboy! Pillboy and Norm come out and they click, they kill the leader and everybody's like, shit, we don't have a ATST and our leader's dead. I guess we run now and we never come back here ever again. Even never, though there's still ever, ever. 
even though there's still no a lot grudges. of us. Yeah, even though there's still a lot of us, and these people are still, you know, wimpy, we will never, ever, ever come back. Because this is a fairy tale, and we learned our lesson. And they peacefully leave. And the village is safe forever! And so, it's all nice. The next day, actually, this is actually like months later, apparently, they're all hanging out. And they've been there for a while. And Den's like, you know, we've been here for a few weeks. We probably should cycle the charts and leave. And Kara's like, you're really going to leave when that hot chick right there wants to lick your mask? Every inch of your mask, even the inside. And he's just like, do you think so? And Amira comes over and she's just like, hey. And he's like, hi. She's like, and Den's like, oh, do you want a bone with my mask on? Or wear this bandana around your eyes so I can take my mask off? And she's like, okay, baby, bye. But I also love your kid, too. And he's like, I don't want my kid here. And she's like, I don't, I mean, not like that. <laughs> you know, you want to make kids? And he's like, okay, baby. <laughs> and she leaves. And Kara's like, wow, I can't believe that actually worked. Also, bro. She's totally into you. And he's like, I know, but like, I don't know what to do. You know, I can't stay here. As long as I'm here, everyone's in danger. But my kid is happy here. I don't want to take him out of happiness. I want to be a good dad. What do I do? Do I just leave and pay child support? And she's like, well, first you need to talk to Yoda because he owes you child support, as we established earlier in the episode. And he's like, that's true. I'm going to hit up that bastard and then pay my kid child support to Amara. Can't prove nothing. Nothing. We're getting you on Mori. Mori. You're going on Mori. Spit in this cup. <laughs> and so he's like, I, I just, I gotta, I gotta go. So Den goes over to Omera and she's just like, I really like you and I want you to stay and your kid too. And he, and his voice breaks. I, this is actually really good voice acting work from Petra Pascal. Like no joking here. Like his voice actually breaks and it's really sad. And she goes to take his helmet off and he stops her and he's like, I can't, I'm so sorry. But, oh no, during all this, there's a dude with a tracking fob hanging out in the woods. And he's all like, I'm here to fuck shit up. And then a shot rings out and everyone freaks out and scatters. And it turns out Kara was the one who rang out the shot because she killed the bounty hunter in the woods. And Din realizes that as long as he has a tracking fob and as long as the kid here, no one is safe. So he packs up his shit and he goes over to Omera. And Omera's super sad because her crush is leaving. He's like, maybe I'll come back here if, you know, this is where the series ends because now this is the dream. She's like, you be safe out there. When you jerk off, think of me. He's like, you know I will, baby. She's like, I'm gonna hit my clitorian too while I think about you. And baby is Yoda's like, can we go now? And they all get on their thing. And Jen and Grogu ride off into the sunset. And baby Yoda's just like, dad, what's a clitorian? And he's like, I'll tell you when you're older, son. The end. <laughs> Do you think the person that do you think the person that started D- Din's particular cult, who 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 like set all the rules, basically was just a real weirdo who hated kissing? <laughs> I do now. Like I just don't like because I was start because you know? I was thinking when they're like okay this is this has another extended epilogue where the like basically sort of 
like the last 10, 12 minutes of it are after the main conflict of the story. And uh, it only has like one little piece of action, which is actually the second time that they've pulled the somebody's going to shoot Grogu and somebody else shoots him down gag. So that's pushing it a little too much. That gag is like once in a while, you know, once in a story, you pull that gag, but it's okay. It, it serves its function in, in this. But uh, like I, I, I got the impression with, with Cara Dune was like, when she was like, dude, you're going to hit on that, that school marm widow, hot widow. And he's like, no, I can't, I can't. The next scene, she should have showed up with her under her arm and been just like, bro. <laughs> said you, like, you said you weren't interested, bro. If she was a real wing. I asked. I asked you. Up, she would have picked up Din's like whole body if she was a true wingman, carried his ass over to Omer and been like, he likes you. Lick his helmet. I'm leaving. <laughs> and walks up. <laughs> Well, you see, because at first, like, after in the epilogue, I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, their village looks really clean after this big battle that they fought. And then it turns out it was like a few months. At, it was like, it's like it's such a throwaway. It was like line three like, weeks after. Like, like we've something. been here for weeks or something. It's such a yeah, throwaway. It was like three line. weeks or something like that. So I'm like, okay, so they've had time to fix up and everything like that. But then I was thinking to myself, and, but, and you know, like, I mean, like their love story is without any other elements to it is just sort of like this weird, you know, it's just not valid because they don't really know each other. And he's, you know, just a mess underneath his robot robot, you know, he's, to him, he's a Mandalore, but it's just Dennis in a robot suit. And, um, <laughs> And then I started thinking, oh, it's been three weeks. And then I'm thinking that's where the kissing thing came in. Cause I was like, maybe they, uh, maybe they fooled around a little bit. And, oh, you know, I, in the, in the, I have read fan fiction the, of you know, maybe wearing was, a blindfold so, so he could so, kiss her. So I've the, read that fan fiction. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause uh, then I was thinking, but like, if they're so lovey dovey, that would be the most awkward, creepy sex to have. It's just like, here, let me take my, you know, Everything off but my helmet. Everything but off but my helmet. Uh, uh, but then again, she might be an everything off but the helmet kind of girl. So you never yeah. know. That yeah, might, I'm not gonna kink shamelessly. Well, yeah, that that might be why she fell for him so quickly because she was just like, I am never gonna find this specific kink in the galaxy again, <laughs> except <laughs> except for that fucking guy. And then it turned out to be John Favreau, and you know, I don't want to miss him. <laughs> We love you, John. By the way, this we're just lovingly joking. We have. I'm like, just. That's the only other. Like, that's the only other Mandalorian with a mat. Doesn't take his mask off that I can immediately put a face to. So that. So that's why <laughs> like I picked that one you time where we off. like totally slandered Steve Bloom. What, what was that episode? Kaz's Curse. Oh, that was a fun. Time. I'm just we're trying. To, I'm just trying to find so out sorry, if they're listening. I'm just trying to find out if they're listening. That's all. We are, we are still very sorry, Steve Bloom, for our episode, Kaz's Curse. If you have not listened to it, we li we lost our fucking minds in that episode. It's fun. It's a classic J-Guys episode. Go listen to it. Ooh, that third act. <laughs> but, um, I mean, that's all I really got, really got for act, act three. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a lot because it's just a lot of, like, wrap-up and pew-pews. Um, it still to this day makes me angry. 
Um, and I, when I say angry, I mean like so angry. I'm not actually mad about it. But it still gives me like the scene where like Baby Yoda, Grogu like picks up the frog and he goes to eat it because that's like his diet. It's already established that he eats frogs as his diet. And the kids are like, "Ew, yeah, gross!" And he gets ashamed and spits it out. Yeah, and like, but and that's I'm just more like, you poor boy. But that's more realistic about being by you know kids and like I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so it, when I, I say mean, angry. I mean, like quotes like yes but like every time i see that i'm like you poor thing those kids are just being mean to you you eat all the kermits you want except for season two and we'll talk about that when we get to well it reminds me when my sister and i when we lived out in the woods and we found a garter snake that was eating a frog and the frog was literally halfway you know halfway down the garter snake's mouth and was just sitting there like yeah, and my sister and I wanted to, like, ran and got my parents and were like, what do we do? How do we save the frog? And my parents are like, well, if you save the frog, then the snake doesn't have lunch, you know, and the snake's got to have lunch. And if you let the frog go, the snake's going to eat another frog. So it's kind of, kind of maybe lights out for the frog. Circle, circle <laughs> life, man. But they had, yeah, they had to explain it to us. But our first, our first instinct was, was just like those kids, which was save the frog. Everybody, everybody's got that save the frog gland in their in their brain. Some people, it's it's more powerful than others, but everybody wants to save the frog. Um, my only other shallow note is gods. I love Omera and Den. I hope they get to make out one day in like big bold letters. Um, but for for my actual like serious note, and, I, they, and they probably very there's a very good chance that they will get to make out, and that will be we'll we'll get to the see final the, scene. take his helmet off. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the final. I, I I would not be surprised if that's like the final scene of the show. Um, that knock on wood. Which would be which would be better symbolically for him to take his helmet off, or for her, or for him to, for her like, for her to take his hel- his helmet off. That's such I don't a know. Segue into my like big note. Oh, you ready? Shit. Such yeah. a wonderful segue. Um. So when Kara asks what will happen if you take your helmet off, he specifically says if he takes off his mask, then he can never put it back on again. And that struck me now in the context of having seen through the end of season two because of the fact he's pretty much saying it's a point of no return. And we know that this happens in season two. And like while he takes it off out of necessity in the episode The Believer, um, he takes that off because it's part of the mission if, if they don't, they die. But when it comes to the season two finale, when Luke comes, Luke is there, Luke is there to get Grogu, Din chooses, not out of necessity, but because he as a person wants to take off his mask and look at his son. And it is a moment of a point of no return for him, that he makes that choice willingly because of his journey. He can never go back on it. Everybody in the room can see him. It is a point of no return to him. And I liked that in context of this episode because it kind of sets up that ending of the season two finale of he has now crossed this line. He's he's not ready to cross this barrier yet, which is the whole point of like him stopping Omera because he's not ready to cross that point of no return yet. And it, it also, again, is the Western trope of, you know, his job is done and the sheriff putting down their hat for right. they're, like taking off their star for the first, last time yeah. and like crossing and, and settling. Like it's, it's another Western trope, which is, again, in the fantasy fairy tale of this episode. But in the context of 
the two seasons we have so far of the show, it represents that moment of after he crosses that line, he can't put the helmet on. Like he, it almost like he'll go into like a Boba Fett where he only puts it on out of necessity. But now that it's off, it's off. He can't go back on his creed. He can't go back on his code. This is this will be a good this will be a good little weight like gentleman's bet between the two of us because I think I think he's just like every every religious fanatic, whereas. You have those rules, and the, and this doesn't even just go for the individual. It runs through the whole hierarchy of it. There's always mulligans. You always get a mulligan, and and you can get as many mulligans as you you, you can still, even though there may be no excuse for it, or this is this is the holy vow of what you do. Like for him, there's he, there's nobody. Whenever he's taking his mask off, there's nobody who's cared in so far as been like, oh, geez, dude, you took your you took your mask off. You know, nobody else from the cult has been there to see it. So like he can totally like mulligan. It It reminds me of Game of Thrones when they sent what Jon Snow to the wall. And it's just like, yeah, you can go to the wall. But like once you go to the wall. That's it for uh, Nookie. No Nookie for <coughs> for you ever again. And you're like, fuck you, I'm going to find a lady in the wild. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, but then when you get to the wall, when you get to the wall, you know, it's like, yeah, no Nookie here, no Nookie here. And then you actually start noticing everybody's getting a little Nookie. And then they're like, ah, actually, there's a little Nookie at the wall. But, you know, remember, okay. no no Nookie at the wall. So I'm, I'm going to jump on your point for a second. Um, I, yeah. To me, to kind of build on your point a little bit. Um, to me, the mulligan is the episode, The Believer. Like the Bill Burr episode of season two. Because he had to take off his helmet for the necessity of the mission. If he didn't, they would have gotten caught and they got caught anyway. But like in that moment, he did it because he had to. because Or else that would have been bad. And so like that to me was his mulligan. To jump on your the other point, part of your point, which is nobody cared when he did it in the season two finale, one person cared, and that was Grogu. He no, did no, I, I, I mean nobody. Yeah, I mean they care. I mean, yeah, Grogu cared that he got to see his face. Yeah, but Grogu like, was like, Grogu was like, oh, you took your helmet off. You are, you can't put that helmet. You know, back out. It doesn't matter to Grogu whether he wears his helmet or not. He'd probably rather have him not wear the helmet. But like. The, but what I'm saying is there is nobody there. There was nobody there who that that, taboo, that, what, that that was a big taboo for except for him. He's the yeah. only one around whenever his helmet gets taken off. And so and like so, that to me, like is is the point of no return for a den. He's crossed oh, like out of that. And like, you know, if we if we're going by what he said to the armorer in I think it was like episode three that where he was like because uh, she asked like has anybody ever seen you without your face and he was like no because I'd have to start over it's now a choice for Din does he start over on this code that he was raised on or does he continue forward with this kind of like new found freedom of I can take my helmet off and and that's why I like it kind of like the context yeah. of this episode of setting up like he's. He- like that is well, his point of no return. I think the showrunners have been tr- will probably have also have like I mean, I mean people want to you know I mean doing the first couple seasons with him with his mask on is a super brave thing. But you got Pedro Pascal, mm-hmm. oh yeah, in a in a TV role, you know, 
and and I mean acting it's a visual thing you want you, you know you almost want to have their face sometime eventually you know and it makes sense with this character so I think they're like eventually he's going to have to have it out with his cult you know eventually he's yeah. going to end up at odds with them that's just an obvious and this is what goes back to what I was saying last week about how I could see the armorer becoming an antagonist not a villain but an antagonist because right. now at the end of season two, he's crossed that line. And if he ever runs into her again, he's going to be like, why the fuck did you lie to me? <laughs> like my entire life. Like, I think that's going to be some really interesting drama that I, you know, we know that she's okay. And like, she's going to be back. So like, I assume she's going to be back. If they, if we never saw the yeah. armor ever again, I'm going to be really well, upset. No, no, there's no way that they can abandon yeah. that thread. That thread's oh, too, too, uh, too fascinating. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's all I have for this episode. Did you have anything else? I do not. All right, Chris, score up the episode for me. I know you're going to hate me, but I gave it a seven. I'm not going to hate you because I, I understand the criticisms of this episode and, like, why it doesn't work for everybody. Like, it it's... hits my Star Wars buttons, but I totally understand why it doesn't hit everybody's, and I totally get it. It's not that I don't like it. It's just that there's there's a couple little little quibbles that I have that I think could have made it. I think it had a lot more potential to it. But generally, generally though, I like it. But like, I'm I'm keep I'm keeping an eight as my standard foundation for a Mandalorian episode, an eight out of ten, as like your solid, your solid Joe episode, and giving nines and tens for the the. I, I don't know. Well, I, 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 we, no, I get it. I, I, I'm just saying, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'll have, I don't know if there's any that, that, um, would, are going lower than seven. I don't really remember an episode that was like my episode that I'm like, ah, that one didn't work for me. So yeah. we'll see. There might be, there, it's possible though. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned this point earlier. Um, I just want to toss it out. Um, I highly recommend everybody looking up that um, when Sky Talkers talked about this episode because they did a very interesting study of color theory and breaking down like the the symbolism and the imagery of like the blues and greens, bronze and stuff. Yeah, it was a really fascinating episode. Um, the of, the blue prawns felt very um, um, Avatar, the the James Cameron Avatar, not mm. the Last Airbender Avatar. Yeah. Although but, the, the village felt the last airbender. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend. Um, I can't. I, I know I had it in my notes, but I don't think I mentioned it. Um, Sky Talkers episode of this episode. Like, it's it's a really good episode discussing color theory. Um, highly recommend. Um, for me, this is still one of my favorite episodes of the, of the series. Like, it's really high up there. Uh, I give it a 9 out of 10. I I understand I, why this would be one of your favorite episodes, yeah. For I, sure. I, I very much enjoy, like, the fairy tale aspect and how, like, drastically different it is from the rest of the show. And, like, I get the criticism and stuff, but, like, I I like the different, like, why it's different and how it's different. I like that it's more fantasy than sci-fi and, like, how it's almost more magical and mystical. When I finally um, get you watching Star Trek The Next Generation, you'll totally see what the, the Next Generation village <laughs> reference i have seen some next generation so i totally get what you're saying um but yeah i absolutely love this episode speaking of people i love i'm so excited to announce our guest for next week's episode um she's actually been on the show before but she's never actually talked to chris so this but will be not fun. with me 
Yeah, she's been on the show with me before talking High Republic. Um, but next week, we're going to be joined by my very good friend and fellow geeky waffle, Arzu Amin. Um, and she's also the host of Space Waffles, which I've been on before, which is her Star Wars show. Um, I'm so excited. She's a huge fan of uh, Finnick Shand, so, which is exactly why I wanted to have her on the episode. And I just wanted to talk Finnick with her. And I'm very excited to have Arzu on. I love her to death. Um, she, like I said, she's been on our High Republic episodes before. If you want to kind of get a preview of like our jam and stuff like that. And I, I adore her. So next week, we're going to have Arzu Amin on the show. And I'm super duper 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 excited about it. Fennec talk with Arzu. Yeah, which means we'll probably talk about Bonic. Okay. Bonic is Boba and Fennec ships. Uh, She's a huge Bonic uh, fan. Oh. Huge Bonic fan. So. Okay. Um, and as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, and the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Um, I'm not going to do any feedback this week because for one, we're running a little bit long. Um, but also, we're kind of getting caught up on ourselves. So I just, you know, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit more space as we're starting to jam into the Mandalorian feedback and stuff like that because we're just catching up on ourselves a little bit. So we'll be back with feedback the week after because we don't do feedback when we have guests so two weeks <laughs> feedback will be back in two weeks so and candy's coming back too we just got another candy shipment so yep yep candy's oh, uh, coming chris and i were just like did you get candy yeah do you have it with you no it's downstairs it's we'll in my later. freezer later <laughs> thank you dario we it's you it's really much. a big big fat bag of candy and like it's gonna take a little time to process because there's some there's some beauties there's some beauties in there I haven't even opened mine yet. It's just sitting above me on my desk. And I I'm just going to say butterscotch peanut butter cup. Ooh. Holy shit. Yeah. Dario, we gonna, love that's you. That's all I'm going to say. Dario, you're just... God, Not going to say anymore. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. Dario. Dario. Butterscotch peanut butter cup. Holy shit. Anyway. Butterscotch your cup. That's all I had. Did you have anything else for the sanctuary episode? Even though there's no the, I did it again. It's just sanctuary. There's no the. Yeah, no, I ain't got shit. All right, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com, our wild and woolly website on the World Wide Web. And uh, that's where we keep all of our podcasts and all their separate little, little homes that goes since 2009 2009 long time 13 years 13 years oh my god oh my god 13 I oh my think. god um so yeah so there's a lot of podcasts there there's even a, there's a whole lot of whole lot of j guys and jedi um back episodes over 300 of them sitting back there for all you people who are popping in new and think i'm not getting enough j guys and jedi you can get you could you could listen to a j guys and jedi episode for for one day at, for almost a whole year yeah and, we're uh, almost there we're almost, almost there. there almost we there be, we'll, we'll be very uh, pretty down close by the end of the year but not quite yes yes indeed and uh, we are also, uh, we have a presence on Facebook. We have the Two True Freaks podcast page where we post up all the shows that are going up and all our podcasters are hanging out there and they hang out at the Two True Freaks Cantina, another Facebook page. And uh, if you're ever looking for an opportunity to talk to one of the podcasters on the Two True Freaks network, that would be the place to do it. You can go to the Two True Freaks podcast page 
and learn which podcasts you like, and then go stalk the creators in the cantina. Yeah, so you could tag them on your posts to see if they talk to you. And if, uh, if you stalk me, I'm not gonna respond. To you. <laughs> well, you never, you don't know that they're stalking you if they're good at stalking you. Anyway, but if you're gonna <laughs> really, if you're gonna do the if you're gonna do stalking on Two True Freaks, go to Twitter and stalk Gene Gene the Twitter Machine. Please don't go and stalk Gene. Please. <laughs> All I, I hear really is that. Like <laughs> well, you can stalk him in a nice way. Just don't stalk him in a creepy way. Yeah. Uh, you know. Gene, uh, we're sorry if you get any weirdos because of us. But sorry, if, you, if you go to Twitter, you can find out what all our, our podcasts are. And that is that is run by Gene, who will, will be your... your uh, he's, he's a nice guy. He's Wait, he I listens mean, to all very, of our shows. Is I mean, Gene the stalker? I don't, I, don't, I don't want people to listen to Hope and think that Gene is unstalkable. I think Gene is very stalkable. I think he's Wait, quite stalkable. Gene, Gene listens to all the shows. Is he all of our stalkers? He listens to every show. If he listens to every show, that kind of makes Gene some kind of stalker. It makes him like a stalker for our podcast network. Aw, Gene, you stalk for us. Quit, babe. Oh. <laughs> oh my God, Gene. It's the step above standing for somebody. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find us at Jagos and Jedi on Twitter. I run our, our Twitter accounts. You can also find me at Hope Molinax on Twitter. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I write for the Geeky Waffles. I've been actually doing a lot of Star Wars pieces over there for the High Republic. So if you're digging the High Republic right now, I've been writing a lot of pieces over there, including Colin Star. Um, it should be out by now. Um, yes, because it comes out this week. I was recently also over on Gold Squadron Gaze with our friend Charles, who has been on our show. So you can check me out there. I've also been on Space Waffles with our my, my dear Arzu, who will be with us next week. Um, that's a Star Wars podcast for Geeky Waffles, and I talk over there. Um, I'm slowly getting Geeky Girl Experience back updated with some of my, my recent posts. Um, I've been a little bit behind, but I've been updating that. And slowly, but surely... I edited a whole 10 minutes of Hope Makes Chris Watch cartoons today. Ooh. So proud of myself. Don't judge me. I'm getting there, you guys. I'm working on it. It was uh, funny. I just remembered, and now I now I just remember it gives me a chance to plug. Um, uh, Gene Gene, the Twitter machine, is the other day I was talking to him because um, I'm working on uh, the audio drama for the Ron Randall's Trekker, which uh, Gene is doing for his audio drama network. And I'm hoping I pronounce this correctly. Aesir Voices. And uh, they, they um, and I was, I was talking to him, you know, we were, you know, I was getting sound files from him and stuff and doing business, you know, getting things straightened out. And uh, I'm like, all right, well, you know, we're getting ready to go. Okay, okay, well, I'll talk to you later. And I'm like, oh, don't worry, Gene, I'll be direct. You know, I, I, I get to at least directly address you <laughs> once a week on uh, J Guys and Jedi. <laughs> Even if you're not there, <laughs> we're still talking to you. But that's it. <laughs> I don't know where that was going. I just wanted, I, know, I, well, like, I just I wanted to plug his. Uh, I just wanted to plug his podcast network. Good, we should because we do love Gene. Yes. Well, if that's all we have, come back next week where we're going to talk Chapter Five: The Gunslinger. I mean, Gunslinger. 
We're gonna have RZ here. We're gonna talk about Ming Na Lin and Amy Stan. Actually, Amy Sedaris is probably one of my absolute favorite characters on the show. Like, I love Pelly. <laughs> I well, love it's Pelly. Pretty Boga. funny after after having um, Omera's character in this one from Westworld having the next episode called The Gunslinger is pretty funny because <laughs> the Gunslinger is a major character in Westworld. I am also really excited to talk about shitty Ed- Ezra Bridger. Because that's exactly what Toro Calacan is. He's, shitty Edge Bridge. Ed- he is shitty Kazudas, you know. He's he's, he's shitty Kaz, he's, shitty he's, Ezra. He's, he's Edgera Bridger. He he's is Edgelord Bridger. Wait, Mark Hamill voiced a character in next week's episode? Are you serious? Oh my god! He's sneaky like that. You gotta watch out. He's sneaky like that. Oh my god! He. Don't, set, don't tell me who it is, so because uh, I don't remember. I I think I vaguely remember that happening, but I don't remember who it is. Uh, I'll see if I can figure huh. it out. Well, fine. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Suck it to me?